Welcome to episode number 25 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast for helping academics build online businesses through blogging, podcasting, and video and change the world through their side hustles, through the companies that they're creating, and through the missions that they're, they're driving into the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about how to publish a book on Amazon. And to do that, we have a, a very special guest, Dr. Toyin Ali from theacademicsociety.com. Toyin, thanks for coming on the, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And that was Dr. Toyin Ali, which I, I mispronunciated even after we discussed it for five minutes. <laughs> but uh, It was close enough. <laughs> once you get going, sometimes you, you mess those things up. But in this episode, we're going to be talking all about Amazon, how to publish a book, why you should consider publishing a book on Amazon. Toyin actually just recently published her own book, uh, her second book on Amazon, and she'll get into what the first one was. But the second one is, is Grad Boss a grad school survival guide. And the kind of tagline is all about helping grad students who have figured out how to balance grad school and, and real life. As I mentioned, Toyin is, is the person behind the academic society, the dot com, the platform there. And we'll get into that. What does that look like? How to get started? And what is the, the business there as well? So Toyin, maybe a great place to start is just, maybe we'll, we'll start with the academic society. So what, what is that website and, and who's that for? Yeah, so the Academic Society, I started about two and a half years ago, and it's a platform for graduate students. And through the Academic Society, I help graduate students with time management, productivity, make sure they remember self-care. I also share advice about how to apply for jobs in academia, just basically all things grad school survival. Awesome. And how long have you been running that blog and that website for? Yes. Yeah, so for the blog, about two and a half years. And then about, I guess, a year and a half ago, I went full force with the YouTube channel as well. Okay. And we'll include definitely the links to the, the website and the YouTube channel, the show notes at grablar.com slash 25. So kind of take, take me back. Why, why do you even get started with the Academic Society? So we'll go back to grad school. So towards the end of my grad school experience, I remember being in an interview for something and they asked me what my hobbies were. And I didn't have an answer other than grad school. And I thought back in my life, I was like, wow, I really had hobbies before. I enjoyed so many things that I'm not enjoying anymore while I'm in grad school. And so I got on Pinterest and I discovered blogging. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to blog about my grad school experience. Mostly I shared my outfits, what I wore to teach, as well as like how I meal prepped and things like that. And I decided once I graduated that I would take the blogging thing seriously. So I took a course about how to start a fashion blog because I was very interested in fashion and sharing my outfits. And the thing that I learned is that fashion is very saturated and you have to have a different kind of hook, maybe combine it with something else. So I decided to combine it with finance. And so it was fashion and finance for newly minted professionals like me who never took a finance course before and were wanting to learn like, okay, what does HR do? What about taxes? What about um, credit and things like that? But as it turns out, finance isn't my passion. It felt very draining to do that. And I wanted to find a way to blog about something I was passionate about. And so I took a course by Mariah Cause about how to create a course. I was going to create a course about finance anyway. <laughs> but then she said something in the course that really resonated with me. She said the people that you are most likely to serve and serve well are typically where you were 
six months to two years ago. And so for me, that was in grad school. And that's when I realized, wow, I actually had a really good experience in grad school. And I know that other grad students do not. So that is how the Academic Society was born. Awesome. Thanks for the background. I, I started a couple things there. So started in the world of, of fashion blogging, or at least started with a course there and, and found that's a really crowded space. Then moved into finance and found that, well, that's not really a passion. So those are two things to really hit on to for the listener. If you're getting started, if you're want to, um, you kind of want to go down this route, you probably want to pick something that's not really crowded. I talk about going as niche as you can. Um, your PhD research is one very, very niche field. Uh, yours is in mathematics. So I don't know how many math bloggers there are out there. I do know a couple and something you're passionate in. If you've missed the mark on those, then you may find yourself down the road kind of reconsidering a bit um, and pivoting. So that's some good background on the academic society. Kind of how's that gone? What's happened in, in that space over the last couple of years? So originally, as a mathematician, I thought that I would only be equipped to help graduate students who were in math or science. I was like, okay, I can help grad students in STEM. I went through a program like that. But as I went through and like started reaching out to grad students and getting to know them, I, I started a Facebook community called the Academic Society for Grad Students, just for grad students. And as I was listening to them and helping them, I realized the things that I was helping them with was not discipline specific at all. I was mostly helping with time management, productivity. How do you manage being an adult, but you're still a student and all of these things. And I was like... I can help more grad students than just math and science grad students. And so I started marketing that way. This is grad school survival. I want to help you find that intersection between adulting and grad school and actually enjoy your life while you're in grad school. And so that's really what the focus has been on in the academic society. What kind of different ways, because it is uh, being grown as, as a business or a side hustle now or you know, part of your, your portfolio there, um, what kind of ways have you looked to to monetize that business and grow it into um, the online space? Yeah, so it started with failed ideas, so things that did not sell. Um, All so good things I, do. Yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned, I was uh, trying to create a course, and so the first course that I created, that I actually finished, was a course on Trello, um, the organizational tool to help you like be productive and manage your schedule. It was called the Grad School Toolkit and it helped grad students use Trello to like manage their days and their weeks. And I tried to sell it, but I think my audience was just too small. I think if I tried to sell it now, it would be fine and would sell. But that was a fail. And I was like, you know what? People still need this. This will just be a freebie. And it was a quick little course on it, mostly like tutorials and there were some copy and paste things. And so I started with that and I was very discouraged that no one wanted to buy anything that I was like, I'm not going to sell to grad students. Grad students don't make money. And so I decided to have everything be for free that I did for the first year and a half, at least in business. So I would create all of these I created like mini courses, just like little tutorials, master classes, just for grad students. I have a free course on like the process of applying for a job in academia. I did like a CV master class, how to um, update your CV or create a CV, things like that. And it wasn't until this uh, winter, this past winter of I guess January 2019 that I 
really decided, okay, Toyin, you can do this. I'm actually doing a disservice to graduate students if I'm like holding back things that could be really helpful to them. And so I decided to create a program that grad students really needed and that they would actually be willing to pay for. And so I created the Productivity Accelerator. And that is my accountability program for grad students. So it's marketed as more productivity, but it's really an accountability program where I pair grad students up to be accountability partners and we do co-working sessions together. So they have that accountability. We're actually together online virtually doing work together using the Pomodoro method. And even for me, it's been the most productive I've ever been in my life. And the grad students who have gone through that program have loved it. And so that was the beginning of me creating products and services for sale for grad students and actually being successful at it. I love it. And I was, I was going to mention, I meant to mention at the introduction, but I think I got mixed up when I, I said your name wrong the first time, but we were introduced by Dr. Emily Roberts um, from Personal Finance for PhDs. And we actually, we got on a call a number of months ago um, and found that we like a lot of the same things. So on productivity side, Pomodoro method, Trello board, staying organized. So that was kind of fun. And then we started talking about your, your business and your life over the last couple of years, that you're going to publish a book on Amazon, which is really the, the topic that we'll get into here today. But just that we, we really kind of resonate on those things. I did want to ask, so so you, you, you kind of slipped a sentence in there that the Trello course was the first one that you finished. I'm not going to dig into that necessarily, but there's a, there's a little hint on, on course creation there. And then the Trello course didn't really work. What do you think is different about this accountability program and why is it working when, when things that maybe you'd done before either didn't get finished or, or didn't really work out? I think I really figured out the true struggle that grad students have. So yeah, they struggle with time management and productivity. That's what they say. But really, they feel isolated. Like none of their friends are also in grad school. Maybe it's hard to make friends in grad school. Some programs are very competitive. and Maybe they feel like they don't belong. And I'm like getting emotional about it. But um, just like really seeking that connection and... Having, I had accountability in grad school, and I just knew that it was something that they would really want. I mean, it's great to see that the kind of emotion that I put into it, because I think that that shows that that's a really um, near and dear to your heart topic. And that's why I want to dig in, is that you try a couple of things, they don't work. Why did that thing actually work? I've identified a couple kind of, what I call them, the four pillars to building out a business. So I call it creative mission. Like, what do you want to do? And it could be a small mission or a big mission. Become an authority, build a profitable business, and change the world. So four things. Most people that I've found that I've talked to, have, have when they've had something that's failed, it's been because they missed one of those steps. And in your case, it might have been you know, around building an authority in that space, getting more connections, and what I call getting insights from your customers. Um, so instead of just kind of tr- building a Trello course that you think they'll like and give it to them, actually talking about them, knowing what they're going through emotionally, the kind of key words that you said that kind of brought up some of that emotion was was really what is their true struggle? Is there a true struggle that they need to organize things on Trello board? Is there a true struggle that they're feeling isolated during grad school? So you were able to identify that because you, you focus on some of those other pillars of, of building an online business. What else have you done, I guess, since since then with the the uh, productivity accelerators? Has there been anything else going on in the academic side that people should go check out? Yeah. So during the summer... I actually ran another model for the Productivity Accelerator because I was planning to write a book, which we will get there. Uh, And I know that a lot of people in the summer are doing a lot of writing for their thesis or dissertation. And I was like, 
well, maybe we can write together. So I did a special session of the Productivity Accelerator just for writing. And it was only a week long instead of the usual two weeks. And it worked really well. It was probably the best Productivity Accelerator I'd had so far. And I got so much writing done. The students really connected with each other and it was great. Also this summer, I launched a program. I haven't successfully sold it yet, but I I launched a program called Side Hustle Summer School. And it's like, it's for grad students as well as academics who are interested in starting their own side hustle. And I launched it with a mini course, basically how to make money in academia. And just like, what are the starting steps? How do you figure out what you want to do? What's your why? Who do you want to help? And getting like really laser focused on like niching down to that one thing. That's what the mini course is all about. And I've met a lot of academics during that mini course in my Facebook group for it, who are just excited about trying something and go putting themselves out there with a side hustle. So that is also going on. I kind of work on that mostly when school is not in session because it's a lot of work to build a side hustle. Yeah, I forgot to mention that uh, Dr. Ali is actually uh, a professor in this area. So she's got her full-time job and doing all this um, on the side or throughout the the summer semesters when when she's supposed to be prepping for her courses. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They're already prepped. I mostly teach the same things over and over again. No, I like it. I mean, the the point I want to hit there was, I think early on, a lot of people, the struggle is maybe around, you know, letting themselves go down the path and feeling like they're having the right mindset to be able to to launch something, create something, put something in the world, have the right mindset about asking for money for it, sales and, and they're real business kind of struggles. And the thing that I like is that you seem to very strongly you've come you've gotten over those. Now you're really teaching others what is this mindset like to to start a side hustle. Let's say I'm an academic and and I want to be able to diversify what I'm doing or have more options or have some side income. I think they're all really important things. So on that, do you find that this kind of mindset is a is a roadblock for a lot of people or even giving themselves permission to to do this sort of stuff? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, mindset is like an issue in grad school as well, just like it can, it's, grad school is difficult and you do have to really try to prioritize yourself really hard. But in the business world and side hustling, there's a lot of mindset issues, things, mindset issues people have around money as well as like their own confidence and maybe like attaching their self-worth to if someone buys from them or not. Um, so there are a lot of roadblocks to overcome and it just depends on like who you are as a person that determines which roadblocks you're going to hit. Yeah, I agree. So maybe let's turn it around now to what is this book about and why, why do you even think about it? Um, creating this kind of book and getting published on Amazon. Yeah. So back when I was trying to decide, how can I get grad students to purchase from me? What is it that they really want? I kind of want to wanted to figure out a way to meet them where they were. So I realized they were isolated, productivity accelerator. But also I follow a lot of them on Instagram and they're always reading. They're always doing these book challenges. I'm reading a hundred books this year, things like that. And I was like, oh, they read. They love to read. They have to read. What if I wrote a book? And so I 
I'm not a writer at all besides like my blog. I'm a mathematician. So I mostly write in equations and figures and graphs. <laughs> my dissertation was mostly equations and figures and graphs, very few words. And so like, I don't know if I could actually write a book, but let's see what happens. So I reached out to my Facebook group of grad students and I was like, you guys, I think I may want to write a book about grad school. Would you be interested in something like that? And if you are, what would be in it? And so I actually just asked them what they wanted the book to be. And they gave me all of these great ideas, like more than one book full of ideas. And so I was like, wow, they are interested in this. Let me create the thing that they want. And they wanted a grad school survival guide. They wanted worksheets. They wanted actionable steps. And so that's exactly what I put into my book. I love it. And I've purchased my copy. It hasn't arrived yet. So I haven't had a chance to to read through. And I almost thought about delaying this interview until I had. Um, but maybe once I get through it, maybe we'll have to have you on for the, the kind of recap version of it. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of key things already. Reaching out to your existing audience, even before that, working to build an existing audience is, is an important first step. But reaching out, seeing what they need. You also mentioned that there was probably too many ideas and you, you need to cut some back. What are some other steps in the ideation process for um, for this book? I mean, you mentioned the grad school survival guide. How did that come about as being the the number one thing that, that people need help with? Yeah, um, I knew what I wanted to call it before I even wrote anything down because I had coined this term, hashtag grad boss. And it's really about the grad boss is a grad student who has like a handle on their life in grad school. They're well balanced. They make friends and they also help others. And um, so I knew I wanted to call it that. And I was like, well, what does that mean? How could that help someone? Why would anyone want to be a grad boss? Well, grad bosses survive grad school and they actually thrive in grad school. And as I was writing more and more in the book, that's when I came up with the subtitle of a grad school survival guide because I realized that's what it was. I don't think I knew exactly what it was until I finished. Well, I started the writing process. What kind of tips in the writing process would you share with somebody looking to, to kind of go down this track? Yeah. So once again, I'm not a, I, well, I am a writer now. I also, I tell people now, you know, I'm, I'm an author now, <laughs> but so what I did was after I reached out to my group, figured out what they wanted, I wrote down some things that it seemed like a lot of people really wanted and I tried to create an outline. So I created an outline with like, these are chapter topics. And so I actually went back to the group all right, I'm doing the book. Here are the chapter topics. Um, what do you think? Did I miss anything? And apparently I had missed some things. And so they gave me more ideas. And so I got more chapter topics from them. And so then I put it all together in an outline that flowed. And then on my outline, I put in bullet points, all the things I want to talk about, all of the past blog posts, YouTube videos I want to bring in, all of the past worksheets I've created, if I wanted to create more worksheets. And so I kind of had this big working Google Doc that was this huge outline. And then I just, I actually went in order. I just chose the first. I decided to do an introduction first. I wrote that out first. And then I just went chapter by chapter. And I also wrote over half of the book during my productivity accelerator for writing. So I had a lot of accountability as I was writing as well. And as I was writing, I invited my friend into the Google Doc to edit behind me. So she was my editor. So Dr. Caitlin Perry, shout out to her. Uh, she's a professor as well. 
um, a math professor and she read through my book and she gave me feedback. And then after I finished and she finished, I went back through, made some final edits and the book was done. <laughs> there you go. So this is a real physical book. Like I can, I, well, I know it is cause I order a coffee. It's being shipped. <laughs> um, but what made you want to do that? Cause I have had people reach out to me and ask that they're creating an ebook and they want some ideas. And generally I, I recommend my first question is, so why don't you actually make it a regular, a, a real book? So I have some thoughts around why someone might do that, but how did you come to that idea over just a, an ebook? I think it was always a physical book. So for, previously, I had a planner for grad students, and it was a PDF download because it was free. And I was like, well, I wish I could like get it printed for them. And that's when I stumbled upon um, Amazon KDP, where you can well, they will create paperback books for you. You can self-publish paperback books. And so I knew that was an option before I got started. Also, the grad students that I follow on Instagram, when they talk about their book challenges, they're always holding up paperback books. They're physical books. I know they probably also read eBooks, but they, whenever they talk about books, they're holding up physical copies. So I knew that they read physical books. Maybe they wanted to jot down notes. And also when I originally came up with the idea I wanted to have worksheets in there and I wanted to have actionable steps. So something that people could write in as well. Um, so that also influenced my decision. I love it. You mentioned a couple of really big things there. So people can't hold up your ebook and, and take a Instagram post of them of themselves reading it. Uh, so that's a really big thing. And I also think it establishes a little more authority, which is usually when I dig in to those that are want to do the ebook route and don't want to do the hard, it's it's usually because they they maybe again it comes down to mindset. They don't feel like they're a person who could have a real physical book in the world yet. So I try to steer them into okay, well you 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 can. Um, it's actually you're the only thing that's holding you back from doing that, right? The worksheets, I love that. I was going to ask if you put any things in there for people to kind of get outside your book um, and start using it as well. Um, so a lot of a lot of really great tips there. Uh, anything else that you learned? You mentioned um, Amazon KDP, so that's the Kindle Direct Publishing, and that allows people to order print copies of, of your books as well. Yes. I'm actually going to do that with my thesis probably in the next couple of months. It's, I was supposed to do it directly after finishing, but it's been over a year now. But I was going to put my thesis on, on Kindle Direct so people could print just a kind of a book copy of it. I have one back on my bookshelf of, uh, of another person in my field that did that. It's kind of neat. People can order your thesis and get like a nice covered copy of it. Exactly. So I think that kind of ties into the first book that I printed on Amazon KDP. So as I mentioned before, I have a YouTube channel that goes with the Academic Society. And uploading videos is quite a process. It takes a lot of steps, especially with all the options that YouTube has that you have to keep track of, like, what are you going to title it? What are your tags? What keywords are you going to use? What links are you going to put it? Are you going to have an end card? Are you going to do info cards of the little videos that pop up throughout the video? And I, I was trying to get ahead and I filmed a video weeks before I uploaded it. And by that time, I forgot what was all in the video. And I forgot what I was supposed to link. So I had to rewatch the video, take all these notes. And I was like, this is a lot of work. And so I was like, what if I just created my own little workflow thing? And I created a work page, like a worksheet of, to keep track of like the timestamps for everything that I talk about. And I was like, well, this will make a great YouTube workbook. So I created, it's called Upload. It's a video upload 
notebook basically and it helps you upload things to YouTube and so I actually use that every day and so that was actually the first thing I posted or I published on Amazon. Nice yeah I like the name too upload that's a great great name for a workbook on uploading to YouTube. Thank you and it's completely unrelated to the academic society but I knew it helped me so I was like I'll just put it out here for the world in case they want it to. Well that's a little bit of a test right you learn some of the the more technical background parts of getting something up on Amazon publishing for somebody listening here, what, what other steps are there that you need to do? So you've written this thing, you probably have it in word or PDF or I'm guessing you use LaTeX for your, your thesis instead of, instead of word, but whatever you wrote it in, what, what do you need to do to get on Amazon? First thing you want to do is download an Amazon template. So you can publish books in all different sizes and they're they're called trim sizes. And so you choose the size that you want your book to be and you're able to download Amazon templates for it. And within the templates, you can see how much bleed your book can be um, based on like how long it is. That was something that I didn't get right the first time I tried to upload my planner back in the day to Amazon KDP. I had text and graphics far too close to the edge of the page and it would have been covered by like the seaming stuff. So getting that stuff right takes a little bit of work. And then, um, so with a book that I wrote that's like written in Word, I downloaded the template for the size of book I wanted. I did 5.5 by 8.5, I think was the size of the book. And they have these awesome templates that have like chapter headings, acknowledgement sections, table of contents already in there. And so I just went through chapter by chapter and copy and pasted my book into the template into Word. And so I knew it would be perfectly sized and formatted. That was very easy to do. And then you want to save as a PDF and then your cover If you decide to design your cover yourself, they have some options. They're not the best um, cover options, but you can design it yourself. They even have templates for the cover that you can take and put into Photoshop to edit. I don't know how to use Photoshop. So you can take it and just use the correct sizing in a free program like Canva and um, create your cover as well. And so those are basically the main two things that you have to do. Make sure your formatting for the inside of your book is good and then the formatting for your cover. And then uh, it's very simple, actually, step by step to enter your book title, the description of your book, upload your book, upload your cover. And then the trickiest part is after you upload those things, you have to do a live preview before they let you go to the next step. And in the live preview, they show you where you have errors. They show you if you're outside of the margins. And so if that's the case, you'll have to reformat your book. Um, Some errors, some small errors, they fix for you. But after you look at your preview, preview and there are no errors, you can go to the next step of pricing your book. Awesome. And I guess that's the, the logical next thing to talk about. How did you go about pricing your book? So we typically have the tendency to undercharge when it's your own work. Uh, I don't know why we don't value our own work as much as other people. And so the first thing I did was look up how much were other people charging for grad school survival guides. First of all, there aren't any other grad school survival guides. I mean, maybe there are a couple, but they're very discipline specific. I found one for psychology 
and I found one for, I think, education, but nothing just generally for grad students. And they were actually pretty pricey because it's a very niche topic. And I think the more niche you are, the more you can charge because where else are they going to, this is like valuable information. Where else are the people going to get it from? And then I also asked my friend and got her advice. Um, and she, cho- she actually chose the price for me. I was originally thinking something a little less. And so now you can purchase my book for $19.99 on Amazon if you do the paperback option. And then the Kindle option is, I want to say $15.99 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I got it here because we're going to include it in the the show notes. I found um, upload as well, so we'll include that in the show notes while uh, while we're doing that. So, so that's taking us through. You got to create the manuscript. You got to have it in the right format. A lot of people get mixed up on that one because you go, "Oh, I'm going to upload to Amazon," and then and then it's all not in the right format. So you got to. There are templates and specific style guides that you need to follow. Cover artwork. You can create that in Canva or get it created for you. The upload process, pricing, what promotion have you been doing on the book since it's been out and how are you kind of getting it out there into the world into more hands yeah so the promotion actually began before the book was even started when i mentioned to my audience that i wanted to write a book that started to build the anticipation build the hype and i took them along with me every step of the process i would share oh my goodness you guys i wrote this awesome chapter let me tell you a little bit about it i'll say i worked i wrote five chapters, I have like five more to go. And I would say, um, I'm editing now. And people would just get so excited. They would always say, let me know when it's out. I want to buy it. I can't wait till it's out. When is it going to be out? So I built the hype before the book was finished. I even showed them a screenshot of the Amazon page when I had uploaded it and it said the book was in review. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, it's almost here. <laughs> and so people knew about the book and they were excited about it before it came out. And then after that, you know, it was out, I shared it with all my networks. I shared it on my social media, shared it with my friends and family, and they shared it to people as well, which is awesome. I have a few freebies. So every semester I create a new planner for grad students for free. And um, you have to sign up with your email for the planner. And so that puts you in a welcome sequence that I've created on my end. And so I've targeted that welcome sequence to promote my book. So I'll share like a little excerpt from the book, some takeaways from the book. And so every email I'll say, have you gotten the book yet? You can get it here. Um, so I do a little email marketing. I'm currently running a back to grad school challenge. So it's August at this point. People are just starting uh, grad, a new semester of grad school. So I do this back to grad school challenge. And so at the end of the challenge, I'll promote my book there. When people sign up for the challenge, they jump into my welcome sequence. Um, so I guess that's phase two of the marketing and promotion. And then phase three, I will get into Facebook ads and, and Instagram ads. I haven't started that process yet, but that's next in my plan. You mentioned that there's downloadable worksheets as part of the book. Do people come back to your website to get those or how does that work? Yeah, so I, I put the link throughout the whole book. But yeah, you can go to my website, theacademicsociety.com slash gradbossplanner. So all of the worksheets I mentioned in the book are also in the planner that I create every semester. Um, so everyone who buys the book gets free access to that planner. Are people signing up to your email list as well to, to get that material? Yes. Oh my goodness. This is the biggest growth in my email list I've seen 
However, I just this summer, I got to 500 email subscribers and now I have over 800 and I got like over 200 in the past two weeks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say the first time I saw that done really, really well was, um, I'm sure it's been done in, in many industries, but uh, Pat Flynn's book, Will It Fly? He had a companion course um, that he mentioned in the book and and like not like some, you know, really small, like it was a, a really helpful um, course that went through the topics in more detail at videos. And uh, I can't, he did share on his podcast and we actually had Pat Flynn on the Grab Blogger podcast a couple episodes ago, which we were really excited about in episode 24. But through that process, I think he said that he was converting something like 25% of people that bought the book were signing up. And and I don't know the numbers, but I'm thinking that book has probably sold tens of thousands of copies um, by now. And then Superfans, which was the topic of the, the interview that we did on the Grab Blogger podcast, I'm just going through it now and has something very similar and go sign up for the companion course. So that's kind of a tip if you're if you're releasing one of these books, use it as it's it's all red start of engagement. People will find you. I've hired mentors. I've I've signed up for courses just from reading somebody's book as a start, as a kind of gateway to them. And oh, this is what this person's about. I resonate with that. How do we move forward? Or you can be more direct and, and have them have an, an option for them to come sign up for your, your email list to continue that engagement. Yes. And I'll add that it's difficult to track who's bought your book on Amazon. Like that's a whole different website. It's not my own website. So I don't know who's purchasing my book. However, this is a way to find out who's doing it, or at least to get to know them a little more and get them on my email list. And so I liked having that option. Yeah. And you can divide the number of people that signed up through that avenue. If you make that avenue different than all your other avenues, it helps sometimes. And then you know how many books you've sold and you can figure out, hey, how, how many people are actually coming through. That's it for how to publish a book on Amazon. There's some great material there. You could reach out to to Dr. Ali directly. If you have any more specific questions, we'll definitely include links to the show notes, um, to the Academic Society, to all the books that we mentioned of, of hers. And I would encourage you to go check those out. That's one on, on parting advice for an academic or a graduate student or um, a professor, which you've been you've been all three. So <laughs> you're you're well versed to give this. You know, if they want to start building an online business, where should they they look? What should you do first, do you think? What's your kind of recommendation for people looking to get started? Yeah, I really think it starts with figuring out a way to help people. So maybe something you're passionate about or something you're really, really good at helping people with. And doing a little research first, because it's very easy to say, like I did with that Trello course, I have an idea, I think this will help people, and I created it and no one bought it. Instead, doing the research and figuring out exactly who it's for and actually interviewing those people like X, hi, can I chat with you about this thing that I'm interested in creating and see exactly what they want and what questions they have. And so your product or service can answer exactly what that person needs. And I think going about it that way is a wonderful, I mean, that's multiple steps, but I think that's where you should get started. Yeah, I do. I talk to a lot of folks that have an idea for a course and they want to put it out into the world and they're going to spend a lot of time to create it and they got to, they just need to figure out which platform to put it on and they're going to be off to the, the, the races. And like, we, we need to slow down a bit because at some point you have to sell this thing to a person to pay. And that's actually the hard part. The hard part's not, coming up on the note line and brainstorming and visualizing and deciding on platform and uploading content. And you got to get to the hard part. Um, and the hard part is to find, find a use uh J. J. Abraham's definition, not a customer. It's a customer is someone who buys something from you, but a client, 
somebody who who puts their trust in you. Find some clients that resonate with you and then ask them what they need and then provide that because it's probably going to be totally different than the thing that you came up with in the first place. So really, really important. We've learned a ton of lessons through this episode from building a business, where to get started, and then obviously talking about you know how to go about publishing a book on Amazon. Any final thoughts you want to leave the, the listeners with, Dwight? I think, especially for academics, it's important to have a life that you enjoy. So working on building that, whether it's like building a side hustle for yourself or a full-time business for yourself or just doing hobbies that you enjoy, having a life outside of academia is like necessary to be fulfilled. So important. And I didn't through a lot of my grad school, but I, I now for the last couple of years have, have instituted a lot more life outside of the, the office, if you will. <laughs> so really good, really good place to leave off. I want to say thank you again. And like I said, once I get through, the the grab loss book i look forward to to maybe getting back on to talk through it some more awesome thanks so much for having me awesome thanks Diane. so you've been listening to myself dr chris cloney and dr toy and ali from the academic society.com and we've been talking about how to publish a book on amazon so we shared a, a ton of her story how she got started some of the challenges or things that she launched and go the way that she thought when she started and then what the path to success might look like for did look like for her and what it might look like for you we talked a lot about around publishing books, why maybe to look at a hardcover or a real physical book, not necessarily a hardcover, but a physical book instead of an ebook, and that the Amazon platform is not really that scary. It makes it pretty easy to, to do this. And we talked about all kinds of, you know, really in the dirt or, or things that you need to do to actually make that happen. So I really appreciate Dr. Ali coming on, talking through this process. As always, you can get the show notes at grabliar.com slash 25. Um, we'll have Toyin's information to contact her there. And you can also find her at theacademicsociety.com. And if you're reading the book, definitely use the hashtags, uh, hashtag gradboss, B-O-S-S, on Twitter and Instagram. And go find her on there too. I didn't catch her handle before she, we took her off. But uh, you'll be able to find her if you look up the Academic Society or, or Toy and Alley. So thank you as always for listening to the Grab Blogger podcast. I hope you have a great week ahead. And I'm looking forward to, to bringing you the next episode next week. Mm-hmm.